Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast like we are every Monday and Wednesday at 9.05 a.m. We like to go live because we like to have you involved. Uh, you can find us at youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy or Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons on Facebook. Or you can follow Nick Kendall on the old Twix over there because we stream live to his channel too. Good morning, Nick. Speaking of Nick, he is in Atlanta. He gets our uh, Seattle. I'm in Atlanta. He's in Seattle. He gets up nice and early to join us. I'm in Atlanta, so we go coast to coast with your football coverage. How are you doing this morning, my friend? I am doing pretty well. Uh, can't complain. It's been a busy week for me on my other side of work thing, so a lot of uh, long days. And the mother-in-law uh, comes to town today, so I'm lucky that uh, I do quite enjoy my mother-in-law, and uh, it's fun to have her around. So uh, I know it's always the joke, you know, oh, the mother-in-law. Well, it's great. She's going to be here. She's going to help uh, hang out with the uh pregnant wife and you know get things whatever they want to do god bless them so uh that's uh it'll be a good time she one of the reasons i moved back to georgia was to have a grandma handy Mm -hmm. (laughs) it makes a big difference it's a big help when you've got the kids yeah um for sure um but um coming in nice and hot red hot this morning want to say thank you to our guy michael ronquillo he comes in with a 50 dollars super chat says good morning scott nick on the falcons podcast uh, Michael, thank you so much. Um, this is the most direct and beneficial way to help support the the content that Nick and I do mm-hmm. on these shows. And you're always here for us. And we certainly appreciate it. And, and hopefully we're able to bring you some entertainment for your for your dollar because it, it certainly helps us go every day. Uh, so thank you, my friend. And um, he liked, I put the uh, the full logo for the podcast on the YouTube page. I was like, what should I do today? Like, why don't I just use the logo? It's cool. And I've got a full res version. So I put that on the background. I'm not sure if Nick's actually even seen it. It uh it uh it's a it is a pretty cool logo. So it's uh it's gotten a couple of of comments, including falling sloths. Says, love the thumbnail, very cool falcon. Appreciate y'all being in here. John Harrell says, Good morning, guys. Good morning to you. Game plan, run the ball. We'll get into that because we're gonna preview the Atlanta Falcons and Jacksonville Jaguars. In London, the, the second home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they play a home game in, in London, was five years in a row or something for a while. They've, they've kind of established that as their home away from home, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So what was cool, though, is when we walked around, it took us a little while. I walked around with with Ethan, the DWI guys, who comes in and out of the show every once in a while as one of our, our uh, contributors, community members, friends. And uh, we counted all 32 teams, uh, jerseys, wow. people walking around. So it took us a little while. I can't remember which was the last one. It may have been, may have been Houston. It may Texans, have been Houston, Texas. Guess, yeah. Maybe the last one we saw. But uh, we counted all 32 teams. Uh, someone had a, a replica jersey on, which was kind of cool. Um, want to say hello to some more folks, and then we'll get into it. We want to talk about the uh, the Falcons, Jags, both teams coming off losses. So. We talked last week, Nick, that the Detroit Lions might be a little bit hungrier at home, coming off a loss, a little bit more desperate. Frankly, I think they're a little bit better, too, which mm-hmm. uh, which may have made the difference in that game. But we hit that on Monday. Bobby Carter says, good morning, my diehard Falcons fans. Remember, we rise up. Dave says, good morning, guys. Uh, let's see how Ritter handles the adversity. And not just Ritter, Nick. I think there's a little bit of adversity around the entire offense. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they're coming off a pretty poor performance, one where even the rushing game wasn't playing very well now. To be fair, uh, the Lions had a good game plan. Brian Branch played out of his mind. I mean, you remember we talked early in the season, you know, Dark Horse for Defensive Rookie of the Year said Brian Branch, uh, if you recall that, and uh, he looks pretty damn good uh, out there early on. He was taking away that game. And Ritter dismissed, you know, gimme throws that uh, you have to hit in that one. So we'll see uh, what it looks like. But that was a tough game for the Falcons offense. And, We'll be curious to see how they evolve, how they pivot, and now that that type of tape is out there. Yeah, and, um, <clears throat> you know, some of the throws, again, it wasn't all on Ritter by any stretch no. of the imagination, play calling, et cetera. Um, that deep pass that he missed to, to Kyle Pitts, the announcers immediately said, you know, it looks like he's pulled up a little bit. And then was he full speed? You know, they hiding something there. We're not really, really yeah. sure. Um, you know, they're, they, they keep that kind of coy. Uh, 10 cam 01 comes in. He says, how's the Jags run defense so far? Pretty good, but they commit a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering the games they've played Nick by they've played Anthony Richardson at quarterback and they played CJ Stroud. They've got the 23rd passing defense so far. Yeah. So 
They play a lot. They commit to stopping the run, especially against the Texans and Jaguars. But then C.J. Stroud was good enough to beat them with his arm. He had a terrific game for the Texans last week. And frankly, the Jaguars didn't play very well. I expect them to play much better than they did last week. There were mistakes all over the place. Kicking game, uh, special teams, drop passes, stupid penalties. They, They look like the Jaguars of 2021, not 2022, Nick. Yeah, I really enjoyed the special teams chaos involving two former Broncos. Brandon McManus kicking off not very well to Andrew Beck, who then kind of mishandles the ball for a second, then runs it for a touchdown. I mean, God, just uh, somebody start playing yakety sacks. Uh, good times. As far as the Jags run defense, you know, I like numbers, Scott. So I uh, just have the advanced analytics here with too early for a DVOA or anything like that. I think it's like six, eight weeks in when you have a broad enough sample size to talk about that. Uh, but the Jags run defense, both their rush EPA and success rate are phenomenal uh, so far this season. They have the third best uh, run defense EPA at negative uh, 0.301, only outdone by the Browns and the Eagles, who have been really good on defense to start this year. And the uh, success rate is even better, 28.1%, only outdone by the Cleveland Browns, who have the best defense in the NFL uh, so far this season. So that is a very salty defense, like you mentioned. It's a lot of it is bodies at Mm -hmm. it and they are giving up in the back end and that might have a lot to do with the quarterbacks they played so far i mean the young the small sample size of richardson and stroud we're gonna take away the run let's see if the quarterback can beat us uh that kind of thing so maybe it'll be different maybe it'll be the exact same (laughs) with ritter in that situation i would imagine it would be the same given what we've seen uh but the run defense is good yeah right now it looks like this could be a get right game for the, the passing game theoretically you know, they're 23rd in scoring defense, 7th ranked rushing, 27th in passing, and that's going against a guy making his first NFL start and a guy making his third NFL start. Uh, I don't remember who they played in their second Chiefs. game. Chiefs. Okay, then th- th- they're they're allowed to give up some yards there. But uh, <laughs> That was a low-scoring game, too. It was like, I want to say 13-9 to nine or something. I mean, that was a weird one. Yeah, um, but those are, those are, again, it's not what you would expect from the mm-hmm. defense. When you're looking at their opponents, you're like, oh, they're, I was expecting their passing numbers against to be pretty low and the rushing numbers, knowing that they give up points and watching the games. But watching those games, they're, they committed a lot of bodies to stopping the run. And then CJ Stroud has, he looked fantastic. He, he really did. He was able to stand in there. All of the things that we've criticized, and by me, I mean we, the royal we, uh, not just us, but you know, Falcons fans and everyone for not getting rid of the ball, not feeling the pressure that type of stuff. CJ Stroud is standing up there, standing up tall and delivering the ball from a variety of arm angles and getting her. Again, this isn't a Texans. I had to convince myself, Hey, we're not playing the Texans this weekend. This isn't a Texans game. It's a Jaguars game. Mm-hmm. But um, again, the, the, the Jaguars, I expect them to play a lot better. Trevor Lawrence still looks really good. He was victimized by a couple of drops. Uh, also uh, among the penalties, uh, Calvin Ridley had a couple. Uh, he also got a, uh, a, earned a pass interference in the end zone that led to a, led to a touchdown. So Ridley's going to be a, you know, he'll be a problem. I'm not counting on him dropping a bunch of passes to beat this team. You know, you're going to have to find other ways to do it. Um, Atlanta stop coming in at 13. He says, what's going on boys. I had to tune in before I made my coffee. Yeah. I got to get mine made before we come on. This is our, uh, our coffee benefactor. He's in Hawaii. So check him out. Lioncoffee.com. Patrick keeps us well caffeinated. Just as a fan, that's his version of a super chat. He sends us coffee, and uh, we we love him for it. And he's a he's a big contributor to all of our shows. Liquor with Lenore comes in. He says, "Good morning, all. Good morning to you as well. Big Ant in the house. Good to see you. Says, Good morning, Scott and Nick, as well as uh, my Falcons family in the chat. That's all y'all. That's all y'all yeah. for sure. Also wanted uh, to give a shout out quick to Michael Lat- Latsky um, for also sending us coffee from uh, Puerto Rico. I'm actually enjoying uh, some of his. Uh, today as well so we got multiple coffee benefactors and i know that he's a listener to the falcons show though so i've been trying to you know patrick for broncos michael for <laughs> michael falcons. Lewitsky. yeah michael lewitsky so shout out to him as well did you try those macaroons yet uh i don't think he sent me macaroons oh patrick i got it you i don't know i got the whole care package it was uh what was it chocolate coconut or something oh my god they were so I, good he sent me some really fun, like little uh, spongy candy. There's like yeah, a coconut I had those one. Too. Okay, maybe I did get the macaroons. Are they are they the like the cookies with the chocolate on top? Yeah, I think we'll they check. were coconut. Yeah, yeah. I ate those first, so I have, it's been a while since I had those. I just remember how good they were. Nick Thatch. Hey guys, it's time to start worrying about Kyle Pitts not getting the ball. 
a little bit. Um, you know, there's another comment in here, not too far down, where it says, you know, we, we've got to start getting uh, Kyle Pitts the ball. And they 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 tried. Uh, we mentioned that last week, going into week two. Drake London had, what, one target, two targets? Okay, the first play goes to Drake London, okay? They did it with Kyle Pitts. He had the most targets of anybody. I think he had nine targets uh, in the passing game. The passing game just wasn't very good. He got missed on a couple thrown into crowds uh the the every time there was pressure Ritter went down you know that's a problem mm-hmm. you know I, I think you know going through it the, the the Falcons actually had more quarterback hits but they had zero sacks yeah. they had nine hits no sacks the they hit the the um the Packers hit Ritter eight times sacked him seven so you want to talk about efficiency Nick Yeah. And that's one of the things about Ritter too. I know that in theory, he is a good athlete, but he's pretty skinny, uh, frail and the ability to be a strapping young lad, you know, in the pocket and, you know, break off some of those arm tackles, uh, yesterday after, you know, while Natalie was, uh, God bless my pregnant wife. She cooked dinner last night. Didn't have to, but I put on the Vikings chargers game, you know, just kind of catching up and you see Justin Herbert out there. He's strapped. He's a big guy, and he's breaking tackles. Uh, they blitzed, I think, 80% of the time, and he only got sacked once. And then you see the difference with Ritter. I mean, just the body type. That's one of the things where scouts, you know, they'll they'll want to get eye, boots on the ground and eyes on these guys so they can see how they're built, uh, the quarterback specifically. And that's a concern with Ritter um, because don't see him breaking a lot of arm tackles right now, and that could come back to the size. Yeah, can I pull out of the arm tackles? You know, can I keep my balance? Do I have the leg strength to push through? Clear the trash is what you say with a running back when they're going through going through the, the the traffic and not getting tripped up in there can they can they clear the trash um and, and he's fast but he's not overly quick at least it doesn't show that way so you know mm-hmm. he's going to be uh, effective in rollouts um if you're a man coverage and you need 15 yards and he can get it quickly he is fast but he's not overly shifty and he's not mm-hmm. a guy that's pulling out of a lot of uh, like you said arm tackles Nick is it time to start worrying about Kyle Pitts not getting the ball yeah it is you've gotten excuse me three you know two plus years out of kyle pitts now um number four overall the unicorn the highest drafted tight end of all time and so far you know a nice rookie season and then it's been kind of meh um you know about average after that so you need a return on that draft pick for sure so yeah i'm a little worried about it i am and and part of it nick and and falcons fans is I, i just see we mentioned this on Monday, a lot of like for like out there. Um, there's there's some of the comments I've seen on my Facebook page and stuff while we're you know posting these videos and comments is the lack of diversity. And and it definitely feels that way in the passing game where every receiver is kind of the same. Um, and then I see, <clears throat> you know, I see Alameda Zacchaeus out there making big plays, a, a different body type. He left for uh, the Eagles as a free agent. You know, is there that smaller slot guy or or can Cordero Patterson become that guy that can be a little bit different if he gets out there with some some burst in short yardage situations where I can get him the ball quickly with some quick separations instead of these big pteranodon uh, wide receivers that you've got out there who aren't necessarily super quick off the ball? Yeah, who are your man coverage separators? Right now, because right now you have the guys that they're open when they're not open, uh, but nobody that's really getting crazy separation with the route running or the quickness. Also, no, you know, dynamic, you know, super speedy burst guys uh, as well. You know, they're talking about the four, three types. So it is not the most diversified weaponry. You do have the elite players, and I think that'll come. Uh, You're going to be able to find a, you know, slot that's able to separate a little bit better than Scotty Miller. You'll probably be able to find a smaller speed guy at some point. This is always, you know, you're still in the building process here. My biggest issue is still the, and it's not, not an indictment on him long-term, but my biggest issue is still when you're forced to play in that drop back pass game, when you are forced to play uh, left-handed, so to speak, can the Falcons do that through Desmond Ritter and through three games, I would say the sample, the, I think the answer would be not, not to a high enough uh, rate where it's good enough. But we have a lot of games to go, and we'll see if he can improve. It's still young in his career, uh, but that's always going to be the big question with this team. Uh, I think they you could have better uh, diversity and uh, different flavors of weaponry out there that could help a little bit for different defenses you're playing. But you'd think with the 
attention to the running game from opposing defenses and the talent you have still, that it would still look a lot better uh, than what we saw versus the Lions. Here's one of our friends, our fellow content creators from the Falcons. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Can't wait to listen to you guys' perspective on the current state of the Falcons. If you uh, if you see them, give them a follow, too. They're uh, friends of the program. Appreciate you being here. <clears throat> Keith Johnson says, good morning, guys. Dave says, good morning, guys. Plain and simple, the Falcons were exposed. How do they respond? Um, period, question mark. <laughs> good to see you, Dave. We'll get into that a little bit. And Ryan Adonis, uh, he says, good morning, guys. And he asked if... Um, you know, do you think Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith talked? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance. I think mm -hmm. it's pretty, but uh, he says, I don't care who gets the ball. Someone needs to uh, someone needs to get the ball. 2016, we had TD catches from freaking Perkins and uh, what was Toilolo was his name. I used to call him Red Zone, this big Stanford kid. I, I went to a yeah. seven on seven when he was out there and he was six foot seven in high school. And I started calling him Red Zone. Uh, why can't we get it to any of our guys? Um you had a quarterback a question, who was... and part of it, Nick answered on Monday. They didn't get in the red zone. They didn't get in the red zone last yeah. week. Wow, I was like, I was like, I believe you. Is that really true? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was a uh, felt like I was watching my Hawkeyes again there, who only had four first downs uh, versus Penn State. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, 2016, you had a quarterback who had deficiencies obviously in uh, Matt Ryan, but somebody who could get through his reads and distribute the ball better and trusted, you know, the ability to throw guys open more than we're seeing from Ritter right now. I think Ritter is playing and it's not, not that it's necessarily bad coaching, but I think he's playing very conservative because he knows that they can lean on the run game. And the one way this Falcons team is going to lose games is if Ritter is out there throwing, you know, stupid penalty, uh, stupid turnovers. So I think that is leading to, those throwing guys open, you know, those higher probably or harder to get ones not on the field as much, which maybe not taking advantage of your Drake London Kyle Pitts as much in that case as well. And it'll have to evolve over time. I mean, this was a good Lions game. I wouldn't be overreacting too much. This is a team that I think could be right in the mix in the NFC this season. I mean, I would not put them in the same uh, tier as the 49ers or the Eagles, but if they got them in the playoffs, one game, I mean, it, it could happen. This Lions team, I think, is playing that kind of football right now, and golf is pretty underrated. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much. This is going to be a big indicator game, though, uh, against the Jags because it's a on the road again, kind of a weird environment with that London game. Can Ritter, you know, work that pass game a little bit better, the drop-back pass game? And it's again, not all his fault, but uh, needs to be better than what we've seen through three weeks if the Falcons team is going to go wherever they, where we want them to go. Victor, good to see you. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Last Jaguars game gave me hope that we might steal this one. They're favorites. They're also one and two and vulnerable, not playing very well. But I think this can be a bounce back game for the OL. It needs to be. You know, of all the things that have been that you didn't expect, you know, is the, the offensive line having struggles. And, you know, again, they haven't been as bad as I think it's been made out to a certain extent. Part of that's been on the quarterback. Part of that's been on the play calling. Part of that's back on been on the lack of fear of the quarterback. And, you know, as Ryan Adonis says, if Brian Branch only played the Falcons every week, I bet you gets burnt toast for the Packers. Brian Branch could afford against this team right now to gamble. He could, he could be playing forward all the time. He could be attacking the line of scrimmage all the time. He could be attacking the wide receivers who weren't going to go by him. He could be, he could play downhill. So they're going to have to, uh, to work some things out in that, uh, in that regard, Sean Roberts says share and like also. Absolutely. We got, we got 10 folks who've come in and uh, including me, I hit the like button on, uh, on Atlanta Falcons fans on all Falcons, 10 people so far. I know we got more than that watching. So we would appreciate you coming in um, and, and hitting that like button. Um, JJ Ayers says, good morning guys. We need the entire offense to play better with a sense of urgency and pride. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, I, I look at it and I say, I got no complaints with Bajan Robinson and uh, Tyler Algier. After that, I feel like there's some room for improvement for just about everybody out there, Nick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody can get better. You're right, Tyler Algier maybe is the only one that uh, couldn't. But there's room to grow. I mean, maybe Bajan as well. Uh, but there's room to improve, and this team is still kind of figuring it out. And it's a very small sample size, and you ran into a very good Lions team. So uh, this Jags game is going to be a big uh, barometer for them. And we talked about going through the the season uh, that 
you know, that Jags game sneakily could be, you know, the second toughest game on the schedule this season or one of the top, you know, four toughest ones. So you got pretty darn easy schedule. I wouldn't, you know, get too low uh, from this Lions game. You got a lot of time to figure it out still. And what's going to be weird is if the Falcons win, you know, 11, 12 games and the stats say one thing with Ritter, but the eyeball test uh, says a completely different thing. Uh, That'll be a, and I think that's, I think that's probably the most likely scenario right now for this team. Uh, But a lot of games to go. Great morning to you, Joe Cannon. Appreciate you being here. And Keith Robbins as well. Everett says three games of bad decisions from Ritter. We got to fix him. Got to get him going. Yep. Got to get him going for sure. Um, Albert says, we don't need Kyle Pitts to be Julio Jones. We need him to be a Tony Gonzalez. Goodness, dude. (laughs) Uh, Tony Gonzalez is arguably the greatest tight end ever. Strap him up. Um, He's in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, to not, you know, that's, we don't need him to be this guy. This would suffice. Well, yeah, yeah, that suffice. I'd take Tony Gonzalez back in a heartbeat. But um, to give Alberto a little bit of, uh, credit here i guess or you know just how i interpreted it i think he means more stylistically yeah. uh, where julio's the big play outside guy and he's looking for more of the chain mover uh know, body type the, that's the thing is is julio wasn't that guy look at his look at his his catches and yards compared to touchdowns compared to every other receiver that's in there and julio didn't score the touchdowns they used no. him like a running back half the time yeah i mean he yeah. was dynamic i know but uh, you know what i'm saying with this you know tony gonzalez yeah. is one of the greatest to ever put him up put the this the way this is phrased, Alberto. No offense. It's just it's a it's a slight to Tony G. Tony G is one of the best to ever suit him up. And the type type of player that Tony Gonzalez is, you need a passer who can you know throw guys open or trust that a guy's going to be there. And right now, I think Ritter looks like a see open throw ball kind of guy uh, versus seeing the layerings of the defense and knowing where to feather a football. So I, I don't know if also I don't know if Kyle Pitts is that kind of player right now maybe he could be but it's impossible to say with the quarterbacks that he's had uh so i think the big plays is what you need to do and i don't know what happened with that one deep pass but there's other ones where he's open and he's getting missed not as egregious as last year granted the sample size is small uh but there's there's plays i mean better left ones on the table uh this week that fourth down to drake london you gotta have it man that was that was that's a gimme in the nfl uh so that's stuff like that that we're gonna have to keep watching for Dave asked a good question that I've actually considered too. So I put some thought into this, Dave. Is it too many mouths to feed compounding the problem? You know, when you've got young receivers, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the 2016 team, you're talking Tony G and Roddy White, Michael Turner, um, you know, the the Falcons of the past were were pretty good, but you you had more established guys who kind of knew their roles and were secure in who they were. Whereas it's like, oh, you put an eight, the number eight pick into this unicorn tight end, you got to get him the ball. You, you, you got the number eight pick running back, the highest running back. Well, you don't take a draft of running back that high. You got to get him the ball. Drake London, number eight overall. You got to get him the ball. What about when CP comes back? And Tyler Algier, you're a thousand. I think a little bit is too contrived. And, you know, I, I predicted based on what they did in week two that they would try and force feed the ball to Kyle Pitts. They did to a certain extent. So is it part of the problem? Maybe. Maybe it, it is with your young quarterback who's trying to keep everybody happy. Matt Ryan would keep everybody happy by getting them the ball in time because he was a veteran and he was the leader of that team. And he had guys that were more experienced and knew their roles. This is a young offense. We, we, Nick, we've talked about how nice it is, things to be excited about. When I look at the age of the core of the skill guys out there, I think, I think, um, uh, Kyle Pitts just turned 23. Drake London might still be 22. But John Robbins still is 22. Desmond Ritter's 22, 23, or, or 23, 24, I think. Um, even Tyler Algier's only like 24 years old. That's a lot of inexperience out there to a certain extent. Yeah, and with that inexperience, you're going to have volatile performances week to week with the young quarterback still trying to figure it out. I don't know if it's too many mouths to feed per se, uh, because if you have a, again, an established offense that really knows who they are, you can play the matchups week by week. You know, this this week is going to be a Bijan game. This game's a Kyle Pitts game because you're going by the matchups. And right now, I think they're just trying to work in the offense and integrate a quarterback that we're still unsure about. So, yeah, it's uh, I don't think it's necessarily too many mouths to feed. It's just the limitations of the quarterback position, the youth and inexperience, 
and the style of offense that they're running, quite frankly. I mean, it's one that is limiting a uh, number of plays. You know, it's not out there hurrying up to the line of scrimmage and trying to get it as many as possible. I mean, maybe I'm biased because it was the best quarterback, statistical quarterback season ever, but that 2013 Broncos team, Noshan Marino, Julius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Demarius Thomas. And I mean, what they were was get- your quarterback? He was a veteran, but I, I'm. But they were <laughs> getting. That's what I mean. It's yeah, a yeah. it's a guy who's secure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's secure. Yeah, and they were going for that high volume uh, game. They were trying to get as many plays in as possible to score, and I don't think that's really what the Falcons are trying to do here. They're trying to be an efficient run game that plays off the play action and can hopefully get some deep shots over the top while they work in a quarterback that we're still learning about. Roderick Cook says, nothing to say. Just want to know I'm listening to my favorite guys talk some sense. Keep it up. I know you will appreciate your Roderick until I start, you know, getting my, my brain starts. It, it, just like now, as I'm spitting this out, stuttering, it doesn't work as fast as it used to. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Senior moments. Um, yeah. Big Ant says, we should use Scotty Miller more. Um, again, we talk about all these guys needing more touches. And part of it is just getting, as Nick just said, getting more volume getting 75 plays instead of 55, then the touches will come. So converting on, th- on get rid of the three and outs, converting on third down conversions have to be a, a lot better. And there will be enough footballs to go around for people. If you're not running 50 plays, you're running 70 instead. So Jason B says, where's Zay Malone at? He's still on the practice squad. He had a very good camp. Um, but I think you've got guys out there again. Let's uh, if you're looking for, a slot guy, you can talk Zay Malone. And and I think it was week two against the Packers. May have been week one. Bajan spreads out wide just inside the, you know, he wasn't quite out at the X, just inside that, but a wide slot. Had a linebacker follow him out there. And, and you know, the commentator's calling it out. He's like, well, this is a mismatch. Sure enough, easy slot, first down conversion. He can be a really good slot receiver. Um, you know, mm-hmm. would he be as good as a Scotty Miller? Maybe, maybe not, but there's, there's options out there, um, for sure. Um, let me see. want to move down a little bit. Um, <laughs> falling sloth. says actually laughed out loud at the, the Tyrannodon poll. I was like, did I even get that right? Pterodactyl usually is what we say with, uh, with Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. with the, the wingspan. Lana Stomp says Pitts doesn't look like he wants to be out there. Unfortunately, uh, Again, winning will that can be fixed. And you know, was he 100 healthy? You know, no one's ever really questioned his effort level there. Um, <laughs> Rusty, oh goodness, trigger warning here. Rusty, help me understand the thought process of drafting a wide receiver and a tight end in back-to-back years, but not getting them a quarterback. The coaches trust to get them the ball. Not being funny, but I don't see the plan that Arthur and Terry had with those picks. Rusty, I think part of it was they didn't have a quarterback in those two picks that they liked. Um, I wanted to trade down. I was trade down. I was team trade down at that number four. Unfortunately, the number three pick was the one that had, you know, it's the Atlanta Falcons. If the number three pick is the one that gets three first round draft picks, then you're picking number four. That's the history of this team. Um, I was team trade down at four and then Justin Fields because of the quarterback situation with uh, an aging Matt Ryan and knowing that it doesn't do you a lot of good to have Kyle Pitts if your quarterback situation is in flux, which it has been for the three years that Kyle Pitts has been in Atlanta Falcon. Hmm. Now you think, can you get a quarterback? Maybe. Is Desmond Ritter the guy? Maybe. You're in year three of his contract and you're still talking maybe. That was a problem for me when the pick was made, Nick, as you well know. We've been doing this together since then. Yeah, I mean, weapons are, you're, you're not drafting the guys for the immediacy. It's about the long term in the career at that point. And we are seeing what top weapons are getting on the market right now uh, in terms of contracts and whatnot. So it's not like a, at least you weren't drafting, you know, safety or, you know, true static off ball linebacker or, you know, guards in the top. There's some value uh, still to be had there. And, also, it makes it a pretty attractive position uh, for a potential trade now that quarterbacks are taking a little bit more control of that or a free agent. Uh, also, you can get a better evaluation if you do have a young quarterback come in, in here. Like for Desmond Ritter, if he doesn't get it on this one, then it's, you know, it's Desmond Ritter not being good enough. I mean, there's other things you can point to. Maybe play calling's not good enough or the offensive line not blocking well enough. Well, you know what? It's never going to be that good, good enough in the NFL. It's not like you're playing at Georgia versus, you know, McNeese State or something. 
So uh, you should get a clean evaluation on the quarterback and set them up to succeed with those selections. So also we've seen it right now, Scott, we were talking a lot about the quarterback being drafted right now, but you didn't have to draft defense to get competent defense. Uh, you can find competent defense out there on free agency every year. Uh, and we've seen that quickly with the Falcons turnaround here where they haven't been using premium picks on the defensive side of the ball. And right now you're sitting there with the, let me see the 12th best EPA per play defense in the NFL. So uh, I think long-term it's still not a bad way to go. Maybe it's a little bit overdone <laughs> with the, you know, tight end followed by wide receiver followed by running back. But I think that it's, it's not the, uh, it's not totally egregious. Now, again, keep getting good players and you're going to be okay. Um, yeah. You know, the idea is you're drafting a, a, a 10, 12 year pro bowler in Kyle Pitts as a superstar. My concern was, is again, you're going to be three, four years into his contract before he's really relevant. And that's still an if, you know, we're in year three and your quarterback situation still in flux. Dave asked a good question. We were 30 minutes in, we get, we, Missed over some big news this week. Uh, Troy Anderson, linebacker, was put on IR. He'll miss at least four games. His place on the roster was taken by Storm Norton, offensive tackle, right tackle, who was on the New Orleans Saints practice squad. And he started 15 games at right tackle in 2021 for the Chargers. So be on alert. <laughs> I, when I wrote it up, I titled, you know, they've already signed his replacement and I meant not his, well, he's a, he's a tackle. How is he going to replace him on the roster on the 53 man roster? His spot was taken by an offensive lineman, not another linebacker. Hmm. Interesting. Talk about Caleb McGarry. There was a comment in here may have been from Joe Ryan. I'm, I'm not sure about Caleb McGarry, that the team's a little disappointed, you know, that they, they give him that big contract and he's playing He's reverted back to 2021 form. Yeah. Well, here comes a guy that's got a bunch of starts under his belt. Who's now on the active roster looking over your shoulder a little bit, Nick, possibly. Probably should be uh, as well. I mean, he's been poor so far and we've talked about it. You know, the PFF numbers were pretty good for uh, Caleb McGarry this last season, but the offense was so funky. How many true drop back pass sets did we actually see from them? And uh, he is a limited pass protector. Uh, so, <clears throat> We'll see what happens with McGarry. I guess, fortunately uh, for you guys, that you didn't uh, spend big on him relatively, right? You did pony up a bit for him, but uh, yeah, I think you can still live with him being an issue at right tackle. But you're maybe need to going. You maybe need to do some stuff schematically with the pass protection. I think the biggest thing is that Kyle McGarry. I'm not as shocked about, but Chris Lindstrom has not been playing that you know superstar level so far, and I think that's having a trickle down effect to McGarry as well. Cause you're not just able to rely on uh, uh, Lindstrom to be that, you know, top three interior offensive lineman in football. Yeah. Lindstrom Lindstrom's able to handle one guy on his own. Normally you get a lot of double teams with guards um, center guard or even tackle guard. They're helping out, but Lindstrom has been able to take out one guy on his own. Um, that hasn't quite been the case yet. It's early um, week three Dios Hoven or Joven. Uh, depending on your pronunciation, it says, I don't know, there was a guy named Matt Ryan that Kyle Pitts had a pretty good season with. Yeah, he was. I mean, he had a 1,000 yards, et cetera. The problem with, with that, that, the problem I had with that pick at the time, though, is that team wasn't going anywhere, man. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't have any defense. Their offensive line was a shambles, and Matt Ryan was 36 years old. So that team wasn't going anywhere. When, when they talked about, you know, that, that was the biggest problem I had was the national media saying, oh, this is a pick for the, you know, a win now moment for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm like, are you joking? Have you seen the lines of scrimmage on this team? They can't stop anybody on defense and their line of scrimmage is atrocious. Matt Ryan's 36 years old. Mm -hmm. So as a long-term Julio Jones replacement, Kyle Pitts was, was okay. It was a, a good pick, but you've, you shouldn't be surprised that you're not seeing the best out of what you were expecting in years two and three when the quarterback situation was going to be in flux, which is a question about team building that we've had since the moment his name was called. Yeah. Yeah. And still, you know, long-term typically takes tight ends a bit to get going. And I'm still having a hard time evaluating these guys because again, seen a lot of Matt Ryan conversation on here, but uh, Ritter right now is, you know, not throwing guys, open. Uh, they pretty much have to be schemed open for him to take advantage of it. And I saw a comment in here about why are people not burying Sam Howell as well? Maybe we should be burying Sam Howell uh, with the four interceptions, but the type of offense that you're seeing right now, you are seeing the 
high level, you know, throws in there in tight windows down the field and being aggressive and, and hunting right now. And I think that this is maybe it's Ritter, uh, maybe it's the scheme, but he's not hunting. That should be good enough to win some games, but there's a obvious ceiling uh, to what that looks like for this Falcons team. Well, and frankly, my expectations for the Washington commanders were low nil. You know, your expectations coming for this Atlanta Falcons team after, you know, cap held $200 million in in free agency, your offensive line is solidified. You're you've, you've drafted these weapons on offense that this should be a playoff team. And I still believe that that said, after four games, I had this team two and two. Two and zero, oh, two and one, two and two. So they're on schedule right now. Yeah. The thing is, what's what has caught me off guard, Nick, is the defense is so far ahead of the offense that that's that has caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. I expected the offense to carry this team early, um, you know, grind out some games, but I was expecting some 24s you know, not not the lower scoring games. And Jacqueline Galloway coming in with a super sticker. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Join a Michael. With uh, with the super chats on YouTube, certainly appreciate it. The support you give our show does not go unnoticed, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, Ryan Adonis, all right. You know, this is what's fun about Wednesdays. We're not in any big hurry. So we can get into this one a little bit and have a little fun. Because Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos were just embarrassed on Sunday, giving up 70 points. Russell Wilson, you know, the big question coming into the season for the Denver Broncos was, was, um, you know, can Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson? Is Russell Wilson washed? Well, Russell Wilson's played okay. He's played pretty good. He had a 90 from PFF for the weekend. Uh, the defense has regressed to a, it's not even regressed. It's disappeared. But Ryan says, question for Nick, what would Sean Payton do for this Falcons offense if he was calling plays? Um, I'll, I'll let you hit that one first, but then I've got a follow-up on that that I think you probably already, we, we've talked about before on another show that we'll get into also. What would Sean Payton do? I think it'd see a lot of the similar stuff, maybe a little bit more quick hitters, uh, half field reads, um, from Ritter where the ball, you know, not giving him as much to, to think about. I also think he might implement a little bit more quarterback run game, uh, zone read options just to get Ritter. Like if, right now he's playing a little bit stiff. And I'm curious, I mean, given what we've seen from Sean Payton's use of like Taysom Hill and whatnot, even though Ritter is not quick, uh, he can be fast. So getting him some zone reads, getting the defense uh, loose a little bit that way and getting Ritter, you know, hit a little bit early uh, to get some of those going. So he plays a little looser. Uh, but other than that, I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't think Arthur Smith is totally uh, the problem right now, right there, right now. Uh, but I mean, just isolating the guys and the quarterback making the right reads, I, I'm guessing we maybe would see him uh, say something, you know, down about Ritter already that we wouldn't see from Arthur Smith, given uh, Sean Payton, you know, it's about him <laughs> for sometimes. But uh, I'm curious. What do you think, Scott? I think you'd see a lot more screen screenplay. Um, and I'd see I think yeah. you'd see a little bit more vertical on there to to try and back the guys off. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara had four straight years of 80, 80 plus catches under Sean Payton. So you're you're force feeding your running backs a lot wide. Uh, swing passes, little arrow routes there. That's an extension of your running game. So I think you'd see that a lot more. Um, So the pass, the passing, you'd see more passing as an extension of the running game um, is, is what I believe you would see. It was Sean Payton calling plays now on this one. Now this isn't a Denver Broncos podcast, but it it made me start thinking about the Atlanta Falcons because I uh, was reading ESPN this morning and they've, They've tagged Tannehill again as a possible. If, if Ritter keeps stumbling, does Tannehill come over? And it, it made me start thinking a little bit, you know, are, are, there, are there positives about the Denver Broncos season, 0-3 season so far? And I'm like, well, one of the positives for me is Russell Wilson has played his way back into being tradable. Mm-hmm. Now, his contract, you wouldn't take on his entire contract as a new team. His, his base salary for next year, for 2024, is only $17 million, if I'm not mistaken on that one. I could be. Um, maybe that's what it is this year, but I thought it was last year. Russell Wilson's, let me just double check while I say this. His 20, yeah, his base salary for 2023 is only $8 million. For 2024, it's only $17 million. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson in this offense, with his still ability to run around and move and waggle and bootleg and all this stuff, a third round pick and $17 million. 
fourth round pick and $17 million. The Denver Broncos would probably go for that. Would you go for that Falcons fans? Would you be interested in Russell Wilson and this offense? I might be. I've watched him play all three games this year. I watched him play in the preseason. He he's better than Ritter right now. That's that's not a a, a big you know a, a high bar right now. But would you do it? Would you consider that? I'd absolutely consider it, Nick. It would have to be a weird thing um, because it would probably be a post June first situation, and that would mean that you know you agreed on it in principle, but it's not officially executed until June. So what does that exactly look like? I feel like that happened before with another quarterback trade where it's like, okay, we know it's happening, but it's not official until this date. Uh, so then you see Adam Schefter send out that tweet. Uh, if you were, you know, only giving up a third round pick, um, something like that, or even a fourth, it depends on what you're eating money wise, but uh, it's more of a, just a cap maneuver situation. And he's been playing like a top 12 quarterback uh, right now. And if you're paying very little for him, for somebody who, uh, another you know three years of solid b level quarterback play i think that's something you'd consider uh as the as the falcons because it's not going to cost you too much to get him uh there's not going to be a lot of bidders for his service given the contract uh stuff there even though the base isn't high uh there's probably still gonna have to be some stuff but the broncos take it on the chin with the dead yeah, cap the broncos are the ones it's the same thing the falcons just went through with matt ryan mm -hmm. the falcons paid matt ryan 40 million dollars last year to go play somewhere else yeah, that's what the Denver Broncos are going to have to do with with Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to have to move on from him because they're in a window where their their team isn't going to be good enough to to get anything out of Russell Wilson. So they will try and move on from him and get a young quarterback in and start to develop. What can they get for him? Third or fourth rounder? Maybe it might be a situation too where he reworks the contract to yeah. make it happen, uh, just because the windows for the Broncos don't align with the windows for Russell Wilson. Uh, so maybe there'll be a little bit of help there, but I don't know. I, uh, I don't think Tannehill is really a good option. The one name for the Falcons that uh, this will make people really roll their eyes or curdle, but I think he's been playing pretty good football and is probably going to be the best free agent quarterback uh, would be Kirk cousins um, out there. I know that he is somebody that not a lot of people are huge fans of, but if you're not paying him a huge contract, uh, he would come in and definitely offer a uh, upgrade in the drop back uh, pass situation there. Um, wouldn't have Justin Jefferson, but would have a pretty good uh, run game and offensive line, which the Vikings offensive line has been dreadful uh, so far this season, especially in yeah, pass. When protection. you're hailing Dalton Reisner as a savior of the offensive line, you're in trouble. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of not to you know, take it totally derail this, but it really does go to show that offensive line is about the unit and not a singular player uh, because their left tackle, Christian Darasaw has been playing awesome football. Former first round pick Virginia tech uh, was taken in that really, really good 2021 draft class. He's, he's great. Nobody are talking about him, but I've watched him like, Oh my God, this guy can play. But when the other guys around him can't play, it doesn't really matter if you have one great player on the offensive line. Brian, I saw this comment on, on YouTube on one of the videos we did. He says, give me Dobbs from the Cardinals. I would trade a second-round pick for yeah. him, and you would be absolutely robbed blind. They'd snap your hand off for a second-round pick right now. Anything more than a seventh, you know, unless he turns into Geno Smith for the rest of the year. And even then, I mean, this is a, a free agent practice squad guy for most of his career. I think his first starts were Arizona, and you say, well, he's playing great. I get it, but your, your value doesn't go up that much just overnight. Um, so... You can say Josh Dobbs, that wouldn't be my guy, but hell no to a second round pick. Yeah. <laughs> no way uh, on, on that one. Yeah. No way on that one. Um, Colin Sloth kills me too. He says, if we combine Cousins the Falcons, you see a 50-point blown lead in primetime. Yeah, that would be two of the ultimate unclutch uh, factors there. Sorry, Falcons fans, uh, but uh, your Braves are killing it, so whatever. Uh, but uh, that's... Uh, Cousins would be interesting in this offense. He's not, he's far from the issue there. And he's actually a free agent this off season. And he's already made crazy guaranteed money. Probably going to be chasing success a little bit more. So I, that's just one that I would be interested to see what it looks like. Yeah. And, and, and Ryan says, you know, better than I've seen from Ritter. Yeah. That's, that's not a, that's not the, that's not the bar for a second round pick. No. Um, you know, right now Ritter wouldn't be worth a second round pick either. <laughs> um, he, he wouldn't be worth any picks right now for the most part until he starts doing um, a little bit better. But again, a long enough timeline. I Yeah. Before everybody jumps off a cliff at two and one, they're upset with the offense. I get it. That Detroit Lions team is good. Uh, they, yeah. they don't, you don't go into Kansas city and beat the chiefs 
in week one without being a good team. They're a good team. As Nick said, um, 49ers, Eagles, and then Detroit Lions. I think they're right there with, with, uh, with the tier two teams right now. And again, I had this team two and two and after four games in route to a 10 and seven season, they're on schedule. So let's see. I think it may have been Dave who asked me, he says, so what are you, Scott, are you saying this is a throwaway season then? Well, it depends on what your your goals are. If your goal is the Super Bowl every year, if you think you're going to Super Bowl or bust, then yeah, this you're going to be disappointed. If if your goal is uh you know, keep improving, show progress, build this team up and 10 and 7 in playoffs is the next step and the way to a championship, those are my expectations. I absolutely expect this team to be a playoff team and if they're not, we're going to have some big time questions to be asked mm-hmm. and Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank are going to have a serious conversation about you're probably going to get one more year, but it needs to uh, it needs to get better. Um, Kobe Cole Robertson asked a good question. He says, "Who do you guys see replacing Anderson at linebacker?" That'll be Nate Landeman. Landeman. Uh, Landeman. He um, he played really really well against the Packers. He was the second highest graded guy on PFF behind David Onyemata, who had a ninety, and Landeman came in with a like an 82, 83. So. He played well. That's a that's an in-house replacement. That's why when the Falcons replaced him on the roster, they replaced him with a right tackle mm-hmm. uh, in Storm and Storm Norton, and not uh, and not bringing up another linebacker from the practice squad or trying to sign somebody. So um, that that's uh, that's an in-house replacement. And he has he's been with the team and he's played played really well. Um, Nick, a few minutes yes. left to go. You know, let, let's get into a, a prediction of sorts. What are your uh, what are your expectations for this game? Atlanta Falcons versus Jacksonville Jaguars in London. I think it's going to be a low scoring game overall and I think the difference is going to be the Falcons interior defensive line versus the Jags interior offensive line. They have been a unit that has been very detrimental uh so far this season for them. I know this with the uh, uh, gosh, the names escaped. Doug Peterson. They do want to be a balanced uh, physical team with some running game aspects to it. And without Brandon Scherf in there, that interior offensive line for the Jags has been rather poor. Uh, I mean, even against Houston, who does not have a lot of interior defensive line talent, they were losing matchups on the interior. Uh, you know, so I'm going to be curious to see, you know, we got uh, Luke Farrell out there, Luke Fortner, Ben Barch. They haven't been good. Anton Harrison got injured last week as well. It sounds like he's going to play. Uh, but I think that Clayus Campbell, uh, Graham, uh, and of course, Grady Jarrett are going to have a very good game in this one. I think they're going to create havoc. And as long as Desmond Ritter can hit, you know, half of those, you have to have throws out there. I know they're, they wouldn't be have to have as if you have to only have half, but, uh, those ones that are, you know, fourth down critical ones, I think you should be okay. So I think that the Falcons end up winning this one. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be, uh, misplays on the field, but I think something along the lines of a 28 to 21 kind of game for the Falcons to win. It's a lot of points. That's not yeah, I think, scoring. Yeah. I, okay. What's over? I bet the over under on this is 39 ish. Yeah. Let's go 21, 16. Okay. That's there you go. There's your 37. Yeah. Uh, I bet. Yeah. I bet the over, the over under is 43 and a half. Jacksonville's a three point favorite. I, I think the way they're playing right now, I like the Falcons. Um, but the thing is, is, is this Jacksonville team, the one that showed up against the, the Houston Texans, is it going to be the same team? Again, I mentioned the mistakes. You know, Brandon McManus yanking a field goal and then having the next one blocked and then giving up a, a touchdown on a kick return. Calvin Ridley dropping multiple passes um, and jumping off sides. He had an awful first quarter, <laughs> um, you know, jumping off sides. Is that the Jacksonville Jaguars you're going to get? Because if it is, Falcons are going to beat this team. Um, yeah. you know, for as bad as they were, the Falcons only committed three penalties. They, they cleaned up a lot of that pre-snap stuff and all those things. They played within themselves. They just didn't make any plays on offense. This defense isn't as good as the Detroit Lions defense that they're about to face. They will commit bodies to the running game because they're not that great individually in their front seven. The Falcons can win one-on-one matchups up front. So you're going to have to make some plays in the passing game. And then the running game, I think, will will open things up. The way they're playing right now, Falcons win this game. My concern is one and two Jacksonville Jaguars gets it together, plays with desperation, knowing one and three is a travesty and a, and a, your season's in, in jeopardy already. And they play a whole hell of a lot better than they did. It's a bounce back game for both of them, but I think the Falcons right now are the better team. 
you, you have to put an odd number on the Falcons because Young Way Koo's going to hit at least one field goal. 24-20 Falcons right in there. That's right at the over-under. But if I had to pick, and I don't like picking teams that I'm close to, I'd, I'd take the three points. I would take the three points for the Falcons, and uh, I might bet them to win straight up. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm watching the the health of Devin Lloyd, former first round pick from Utah. Uh, it sounds like he injured his hand. He might be out, uh, so that would leave the Falcon or the Jags main linebackers being uh, Aluakon, who you guys should know pretty yeah, well. Friend Foyer, yeah, friend Foyer, and then of course Chad Muma, who has been dreadful uh, for the Jags so far. Just is totally out physical, and uh, the mental side is not overcoming the physical aspect of the game. So. Uh, I think that while the Jags defense has been very good, more so, be- or the run defense has been good because of the uh, bodies up front, maybe losing uh, Devin Lloyd with his wingspan and his range uh, is a big impact, and you can get a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah, uh, Keith says, what time is the game? The game will be at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. Um, I was at the Jacksonville Jaguars game last year. It was a lot of fun in, in London, so um, a good time, and I hope, Everybody travel safe. Check in and say hi if you're there. If you're in London at the game, make sure you let us know how it goes. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Nick and I will be back on Friday morning right here to talk some NFL stuff. Some of the uh, We'll talk Falcons, Jaguars. We'll talk some of the bigger storylines and some of the top games that are going on over the, over the weekend. Maybe some of the worst games. The, uh, the, the, the 31 and 32 power ranking teams, Bears, Broncos is intriguing for all the wrong reasons. Um, it's uh it is alberto i like this score uh 20 to 14 i i think that's i think you're right in the neighborhood i think it's it's somewhere in there uh lower scoring game neither offense is exactly clicking both defenses are playing the 37 points notwithstanding a lot of it was special teams uh not a lot of, but it, a lot of it was special teams related uh in that last game and not just pure offense 70 to 20 falcons Woo, atlanta dog um that one's uh, <laughs> not counting on that one, but I know where you're coming from, uh, 88. Uh, and Michael Rankio, who opened us up with a big super chat, is also going to close us out. He says, great show today, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Came in huge with a huge uh, super chat. Jacqueline Galloway, thank you for your super chat as well. Thank all y'all for being here. If you want to join us to talk some football Friday morning at 9 o'clock, come right back here. We'll be here. We'll go for about 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how many of y'all want to keep talking. Otherwise... We will be back on Monday morning to discuss and break down the Falcons-Jaguars game, win, lose, or draw. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's a weekend for me. Wednesdays, you know, football's tomorrow. Thursday night starts a, starts a weekend as far as I'm concerned. Good game tomorrow, too, right? Uh, Detroit Packers, uh, That's that should be a fun one. And also this week, we got uh, probably the game of the week, one of the more intriguing matchups so far this year, but uh, Miami versus Buffalo. I mean, this last week was a stinker's on the schedule this week, pretty good. Dolphins, Bills, and don't forget to tune into that 0-3 Vikings, 0-3 Panthers game. There's Woo-hoo. a barn burner. On that note, appreciate y'all being here. Uh, love you for the support that you give us, and we'll see you Friday. Come and see us on Friday. Otherwise, we'll see you Monday. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend, everybody. Peace.